0: You're
1: listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlip. Check us out online, Packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, Pack underscore data app. So I want to try to launch into things as quickly as is humanly possible. Um, trying to give you as much content as I possibly can. There's a billion questions that I want to get to. It's also already 4:16, and I got to be done at 5. So even if I talk nonstop without any stopping, looking things up, whatever, you'd get about 45 minutes. That ain't gonna happen. So we're shooting for I don't know 30, 35. We'll see what happens. Just giving you a heads up now, cause I know some of you don't. Uh, you know, you got long drives into work. You're gonna have to find something else to do for that last stretch um before we launch into that thank you very much to let's see chad heeden i'm going with heeden on this one jumping in on patreon signed up for the year very very much appreciated thank you sir that is an option by the way i forgot to bring that up but once i brought it up everybody did it so apparently that is the most popular option um you can you know do the month-to-month deal or you know because i understand I, i do this a lot too Because I hate seeing money come out every month. And especially if you're doing a dollar a month, it's not that much to just do it for the year. So I guess I definitely understand that. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Again, the biggest and best way to do that outside of uh, financial support directly is to just tell people about the podcast, invite them to the group, invite them to the page, etc., etc. So thank you very much, Chad, for that donation. I don't know why I wanted to keep calling you Paul. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, his name isn't Paul, dude. What are you talking about? It's not. It's, it's like it's like the opposite of Chad. If there was a name, if you were to just ask me, I got a name here, it's Chad. What would you say is the opposite of Chad? I'd be like, oh, Paul, maybe? And that would be a great guess, because I'd be 100% correct. But without further adieu, let's look at some questions. Now, there's no way in the world I'm going to get through all of them. However, probably just hang on to these questions, and we'll look at them at a later time. There's also a distinct possibility that I won't answer your question. Sorry about that. I'm going to be asking another Q&A. Just drop the question in there again if it's still relevant. Also, um, copy and paste of the questions. But for most of these, I did not put the name. Very, very sorry about that. But again, in the interest of time, I'm not going to refer back, find it, get the name. My bad. First question, is Jamal Williams going to stay a Packer? I definitely think so. It's, it's one of those weird things, and I've been saying this since forever. You kind of just wait for that first shoe to drop. Because you know they're not all going to stay, and you assume they're not all going to go, so I, I tend to think it's either Aaron or Jamal, or possibly neither, but I would doubt that. The only way it would be, you know, neither one of them would be if, depending on, you know, they just can't afford either of them. Aaron Jones wants $15 million a year, Jamal wants like $10 million a year, and the Packers are like, no, I'm sorry, but I'm not paying either of you anywhere near that amount of money. Now, I doubt Jamal wants anything near that, but there's still a number that's too high. The biggest issue with Jamal, as much as we love Jamal, he does have some receiving ability and blocking ability, but as far as a running back, he is a guy that you can kind of just pick up anywhere, and I know that's going to rub people the wrong way. Well, he's super strong, and he's powerful, and all that. I mean, he's he's better than other backs. I'm not saying he's the worst. I'm just saying he's one of those guys that you can find. You can find in the draft. Um, It's obviously going to make us thin if we lose both, which is why I tend to think it's going to be Jamal and A.J. Dillon moving forward. But again, they're not going to want to pay Jamal a lot of money because they envision A.J. Dillon as the future, which really kind of complicates everything because even if, you know, that that, that is what you put in the back of your mind for everything. How much are you willing to pay a guy that's going to be your starting running back for a little while and then sort of a backup? I mean, I guess they do rotate quite a bit. You envision it being Jamal and A.J. Dillon, and then eventually A.J. Dillon and Jamal, but it's still that duo, which is a pretty solid duo. So that that that's where my head's at right now. I, I don't see any way in which Aaron Jones stays. I mean, the only thing that keeps me hanging on there is the fact that they're ta- they're trying to negotiate right now, meaning they're making offers. They are trying to, I mean, they're not, not doing anything. So the, the camp that says they don't want him, they're just going to let him walk, that's not true. They don't have to come to the table. We hear that all the time. The Packers aren't even coming to the table. I don't know what's going on. No, they're coming to the table. The reason he fired his agent is because they were having talks, they were having negotiations, they were too far apart, and the the Packers essentially walked away from the table. And that's when his agent got fired because the Packers walked away. But they're at the table right now. They're willing to sign Aaron Jones. So nothing is is 100% set in stone. There's just, and, and I think this is true in football in general. There are things that just make sense. There are things that are value. It's no different than like, you know, buying real estate. I don't care what the house is. It's about the value. If it's worth 200 and I can buy it for $150, i am going to buy it. I don't care what it looks like. It's just about what can I buy it for compared to what I can sell it for. Or if it's, you know, worth 150 but I can flip it for 215 whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not about the player. It's about the value. When you have a salary cap, the only thing that matters is getting more value than what you're paying. Aaron Jones has X value. If we can get Aaron Jones for X minus $5 million in value, you're willing to entertain it even if it wasn't your initial plan. Now, there are situations where you decide you're not interested, and that has to do a lot of the time with with age. Jordy Nelson had a value, but the Packers really weren't interested in him. Mike Daniels, they just, you know, just let him go. At some point, the Packers say, we're just not interested. But that is not the case with either Jamal or Aaron Jones. Again, they're having conversation. So I'm not even trying to read the crystal ball into what the Packers are going to do because they don't know. They're in dis- they're in conversation. They have plans. They have a plan A, B, C, D, E, and F. And obviously, there's, there's good and bad for each, right? If you let Aaron Jones walk and A.J. Dillon isn't the real deal, you messed up. If you sign Aaron Jones to a big amount of money and he sits on the bench while A.J. Dillon tears it up, you messed up. But ultimately, I think the NFL, the the people within the NFL have learned that signing big money for a running back doesn't make a lot of sense. And I saw a lot of comments to the effect of, yeah, but Aaron Jones is different. Yeah, but that's what everybody says, right? That's what they said about Gurley. That's what they say about all these guys. They get big money and then they just don't perform, with the exception of Derrick Henry, which ironically, that one example that you want to use to prove that Aaron Jones would be a good signing kind of blows up in your face when you realize we drafted the next Derrick Henry. And I'm not even necessarily talking about, you know, he's at that level because clearly he's not. But that's what he was drafted to be. That's what he's built like. You want Derrick Henry, he's sitting on the bench. And that's the point. And then the final thing with running backs, it's not just that they tend to fall off, and they do. They hit a brick wall and just fall off with the exception of guys like Adrian Peterson. I mean, he fell off, but he's still playing. And uh, Frank Gore. And again, that number is real real uh, low for running. I don't know if it still holds true, but the number I had heard several years ago is about 26. 26 for running backs. That's why they don't get paid, and if they do, it's a mistake because they're flying high at 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, and then when 27 hits, something ain't the same. And by the time you get to 30, which that contract is going to run from like 27, 28, 29, and 30, he's not playing well at all. That's the concern. And I don't think Aaron Jones is probably going to be super excited about signing. I mean, when he's at the peak of his career, and, and technically the peak was probably last year, which is another concern, you, uh... You don't want to sign one-year proof of deals. You're looking for as long-term as possible, get as much money, as much guarantees for as long a period of time as is humanly possible. It just, it just doesn't feel like a good fit. But anyways, I, I don't even think I said the thing yet. The other thing that I had mentioned about running backs is that they're not a critical piece. And I understand, well, explain to me how, you know, we wouldn't have won this game if it wasn't for him. I I get it. He's definitely helped a lot. And there are games we wouldn't have won without Alan Lazard. There are games we wouldn't have won without MVS. There's games we wouldn't have won without Tunyon. But I'm not saying each one of these guys is invaluable to the team and we cannot let them go. We can. I'm not going to say they're not replaceable because they are. The fact that they've carried the team once in a while does not mean they can't go anywhere. The fact of the matter is, I don't believe that running backs in general, again, Derrick Henry aside, maybe, are a critical piece of a offense in 2020. If you want to go back to a throwback offense where all we did is run, yeah, that's probably the most important person on a football field. Not today. Quarterbacks, wide receivers, tackles, corners, edge rushers, all more important. I mean, look at all the top teams in the NFL. The chiefs Chiefs don't have an elite running back. The Rams don't? What, Daryl Henderson? Nah. The Chiefs are winning because of their quarterback. The Rams are winning because they've got a competent offense and a dominant defense. The Packers are winning because of Aaron Rodgers. The Seahawks are winning because of their quarterback. The Saints are winning despite the fact that Alvin Kamara has fallen off the face of the earth. The Tennessee Titans do have Derrick Henry, but we also forget that one of the highest graded quarterbacks right now is is Tannehill. They also have good wide receivers, a good offensive line. So it's not like Derrick Henry is, is playing with an incompetent quarterback and a bad offensive line and no weapons, and he's just carrying the team. No, it's a, it's a decent overall system. Tampa Bay Buccaneers do not have a running back. The Steelers don't really have a running back. Buffalo Bills, who's their running back? The Colts, they're winning despite not really having a running back. They drafted one, but he's not doing well. They're actually a terrible running team, which is staggering, because they had one of the most dominant offensive lines. They drafted one of the best running backs in football. They can't run the ball. They're still 9-4. and four. The Browns do have Nick Chubb, but again, I don't think that's necessarily where their success comes. It helps, and I think that's the biggest thing you can say. Running backs, having a really good running back helps, but it does not decide if you're a good or bad team. You know who some of the best running backs are? How about Dalvin Cook? Damian Harris for New England. Antonio Gibson for Washington. David Montgomery in Chicago. Derrick Henry's number one. Those are the next four to make up the top five. The Bears, Washington, New England, and Minnesota have the highest graded runners in football. Again, it helps, but as I said before, if you want to know if something is a good metric, sort it by that metric and see if there's a correlation, right? Does passing yards make you a good quarterback? Well, sort by passing yards, and let's look at the list of quarterbacks and see, is this the list of the top quarterbacks in football? If we sort by highest graded running back, you don't get the list of the top five best teams. Now, let's do quarterback. Now, it's not exactly perfect, because it is still a team sport, but it's a little closer, isn't it? The top quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady. Tampa Bay, Houston, Seattle, Kansas City, and Green Bay. Houston, obviously, is the outlier here, but there's no question these are a better group of teams. Why? Because quarterback means something. Running back means nothing. Now, that's that's an over-exaggeration, but what I mean is, it means nothing in terms of how much it moves the needle on whether or not you are a successful team. Quarterback moves the needle quite a bit. It's not the only factor. Deshaun Watson is proof of that, but it is a factor. After that is Ryan Tannehill, good football team. After that is Josh Allen, good football team. What if we scroll to the bottom? Jacksonville, Washington, the Jets, the Jets again, San Francisco, Chicago, Philadelphia, Denver, Miami, San Francisco, Washington again, Jacksonville, Carolina, Chicago again, Miami again, New Orleans with Taysom Hill, Dallas, New England, are you getting it? There there is I mean it's not a one to one correlation, but the amount of, of impact a quarterback makes on the success of a team in a given season. I mean, even look at the fact Lamar Jackson right now is ranked twenty second. Last year he was one of the he was easily top three. I don't remember exactly what it was. Is it a coincidence that the Ravens aren't as good as they were last year? That Lamar Jackson has gone from a top three quarterback to not even in the top 20? Of course it's a correlation. So, listen, I love Aaron Jones. I love Jamal Williams. I I, I know that they help the football team. I know they've made differences in football teams. Running backs can do that. And it, it'll hurt to not have some of those things. But in terms of if we sentimentalize every single player... We're going to run out of money, and we're not going to be able to pay the Aaron Rodgerses, the David Bakhtiaris, the Devontae Adams, the Jair Alexanders. That's who we have to save the money for. Because again, it's a finite amount of money, so we can only pay what we can pay. So there's my thoughts on running back. Switching it up, I got a question that says, what is J.K. Scott's rank and hang time this season among punters? Now, I will reiterate, there is no stat that I like in regard to punters. Hang time is decent. The biggest biggest issue I have is sometimes you're not trying to get a lot of hang time. If you're kicking it far, you're not really aiming for hang time. I mean, you always want as much as is possible, but there's, there's an inverse relationship bef- between distance and hang time, right? High and far. And so you got to kind of adjust that. Same thing with like trying to gauge distance. What if you're punting from the 50? You're going to try to kick it 70 yards? No, that would be stupid. But anyways... Um, he is currently third in hang time, Jack Fox, 458, Joseph Carlton of Carolina, 456, Jack Fox is Detroit, for those that don't know, and J.K. Scott, 455. So there's three guys in the 45 club, Jack Fox, Joseph Carlton, and J.K. Scott. After that, from 455, it drops all the way down to 449, Mitch Wyschnowski in San Francisco. It's Wyschnowski, but it just it's it's obnoxious to say it, so I figured I'd lay into it a little bit kind of already answered this, but how would you like the running back situation to be at the beginning of next season? I think Jamal and AJ, and not Aaron Jones. I mean, AJ Dillon. And again, this isn't like, I I would like it to be Aaron Jones. But when you look at the implication of that, I don't like the implication. Also, we got to factor in, if we let him walk, he goes somewhere else, he signs a massive contract, and he probably will, we're going to get compensated for that. We're going to be getting probably several high compensatory picks for the 2022 draft because of all the guys that are going to be leaving this year and signing giant contracts. I don't know exactly who they're going to be, but Corey Lindsley is the number one center in football. I think he's going to sign a pretty big contract. Kevin King, decently sized contract. Aaron Jones, pretty big contract. We'll see what happens with Tunyon, um, I tend to think we're probably going to re-sign him because of how successful he's been. We'll see how much he wants, but if we don't sign him, there's there's a slight possibility he gets a big money contract, just depending on how teams view this um, and him and everything else. I don't know, but that's something else to keep in mind. Non-football question, which is better, the Sandlot or the Goonies? Um, let me start with a very unpopular take. I think they're both overrated. However, I did not enjoy the Goonies at all. I know that was like a big cult classic and everybody's all excited about the Goonies and they're quoting lines from it. I saw it. I didn't like it. I don't know why. It just didn't click with me. Maybe it's because I wasn't like young enough and it wasn't like this big deal. Um, The Sandlot kind of had that, you know, like when you're a young kid and you kind of, you watch movies and you kind of, there's a magical aspect to it. It it sticks with you a little bit. That was me with the Sandlot. There were certain scenes or whatever that were pretty cool, but it, I I would not want to sit down and watch either of them. Sandlot, you could convince me. Like if you were like, dude, let's let's watch sand i don't know why i'm at your house or what we're doing it's kind of creeping me out a little bit but i mean if all you want to do is watch sandlot I guess i can get over that as long as you know you let me go and i can go home afterward i'm fine with it but i will refuse to watch the goonies with you i will tell you just kill me right now whatever your plan is with me you got a dungeon just take me there i don't care i'd rather be in a dungeon i'm exaggerating but i just i just don't think it's interesting i don't know i never i never like i don't want to watch it so I know the question is meant to be like, what's, which one's better between these two greats? I don't like either of them. I'll tolerate the Sandlot. I will not watch the Goonies. And I lost all my subscribers. <laughs> question. Would you trade a Super Bowl win this year for a decade of no playoffs or wild card round exits? No. The, the wording is confusing me a little bit. But I've, I've, I've heard several iterations of this, and the answer is the same every single time. I like winning. I like that the Packers are a good team. I like what we're going through right now, and I fully understand we there. there's a high probability that we're going to get knocked out of the playoffs, very high probability, and I still like this season. Why in the world would I give up what I've gone through here, the hope and the excitement and everything else, to win one year? I mean, this is, this is basic, you know, I've, I've talked about it in the past, but the marshmallow test, it's something you do for kids. It's basically like a little kid IQ test. Ask a kid, hey, I'll tell you what. I can give you a marshmallow now or we can wait this thing out. I'll give you two later. If the kid says I'll take the marshmallow now, that's not the right answer. That's the wrong answer. You're going to struggle in life. Now, I don't know how binding that is. Like, can you can you teach that out of it? I'm, that's why I'm scared to do it with my kids. I don't know if you can teach that out of them or if it's like in their DNA. I don't know. It's like they say you can't really teach people to be better as far as IQ and stuff, so, which seems weird to me. I, I promise you I can study for an IQ test. They're puzzles. Show me how to do this puzzle and I'll remember for next I don't understand that. But anyways, they say you can't do it. But it, it's, it's basic. The right answer is you wait for more. It's it's delayed gratification. If you can't delay gratification, that's not a good thing. Now, you, you could say, well, there's no guarantee you win for the next t- 10 years. That's true. But there's a pretty high probability that I'm going to have hope, at least as long as Aaron Rodgers is around. And even if he's not, I'm going to have hope leading up to Jordan Love or whoever the quarterback is, whenever they take over, there's hope. I like hope. I like excitement. You're telling me I'm going to give up. I mean, gee, the, football is all about hope. That's all it is. When you go into the draft, it's, it's dreaming about what they'll be, how they'll help the team, going to be the next great. You start the season, you start thinking about the, the projections and what their record's going to be, and could this be the year, and oh, man, greatest we've ever seen. I'm not throwing all that away for one day of excitement. I want a Super Bowl real bad. I'll take my chances. I just, I don't get it, man. But again, there are some people where Super Bowl is the only thing that matters. And I, I genuinely, you know, I always say fan how you want a fan, but I just, I don't think that's healthy. Legitimately, I just don't. I understand it's it's like the ultimate objective of the game, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy the game, right? I can play life with my kids, the board game, lose and still have a great time with my family. I don't need to start punching my kids, Right? <laughs> That's not, there's not like an automatic one-to-one there. I'm not going to divorce my wife because she took Kamchatka and Risk. That's a little crazy. You can have fun playing the game, even though you're driving toward an ultimate objective. It's the journey that's the fun. The Super Bowl is just the reason we play. It's the reason we're here. It's the reason that they're on the field. It's the reason we keep score. It's the reason why we, we keep track of the records. But it's not... The, the day-to-day enjoyment of it. What the heck is the point of this podcast if the Super Bowl is the only thing that matters? I'll just take a nap. I'll wake up when they get eliminated or when we're in the Super Bowl and do, like, one show a year. Well, we're out again. We lost. We suck. See you next year. Bye. 30-second, po- not even, 10-second podcast a year. Unless we win, then I'll, like, go on a super big rant about, yeah, that was it. We finally won. Better do it again next year or else I'm going to be mad. It just, it, come on now. So, no, I, I'm never going to trade. I mean, I'm sure if you want to keep pushing this, at some point you'll get me to have to think about it. And I'm all I'm all in on these kinds of questions. I think they're great to, to really mull over, but this one is not even a, a thought. Maybe if you bumped it down to like a year, right? And that's going to be a miserable year. Like, would you trade a Super Bowl, but next year you don't make the playoffs? I would probably have I would be obligated to say yes, because that's an easy sacrifice. But that's going to suck. Plus, then I'd be worried about the implications. Like, why did we miss? I mean, is it is it just like voodoo and everything will be fine the next year? Or is something actually broken? Like, be careful what you wish for. You didn't really think about it. The reason you're bad is because the whole team sucks now. And that's, you know, you get a de- you know start playing those games. I'm just saying. But a decade? No, never. Jeez. All right, we got to take a break. I love Q&A, man. I swear, I just started. I just started hitting record. And it's 4.50. And we're 21 minutes into this. I have to take a break. Um, I'm going to run a little bit over. That's okay. I don't care. But we'll take a break right here. We will be right back in just a moment. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase.
1: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and ads. Go to LipsynAds.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: All right, let's kick this off with some draft questions, or a draft question, I guess. If the 2021 draft was today, what might be your first round pick? Um, I'm going to do this question despite the fact that I did not send myself my update. Actually, you know what? I do have it because I put it up in my um, YouTube. I made a post so I can look it up. It's for members only. I would entice you to go become a member, but it's not set up yet. So it's it's just sitting out there just for me right now. So anyways, I, I got my list here. Um, it's updated. I updated it yesterday um, just to entice you so that when this becomes live, you can see the full list over and uh, subscribing on YouTube, whatnot. 459 total prospects because the formatting is garbage. They just have copy and paste, can't upload files or anything. It's just the name. So if you don't know the name, you have to look up position in school and all that. Anyways... Um, this is actually really tough, because what I did is I started thinking about process of elimination for position. It really starts to get hard to say this is definitely one position we, not not even need, but when we start talking about first round, because there are some positions that you say, yeah, but we're not going to draft that in the first round. And when you eliminate, for example, positions we don't need, positions we just recently drafted for, positions we usually don't draft for in the first round and don't think we will in this round, or just... You know, like, for example, defensive tackle. You could say it's a need, but we also have Kenny Clark and an ascending Kingsley Kiki. So are we giving up on the fact that Ke- Kenny Clark is going to get better? Because if Kenny Clark gets better and Kingsley Kiki keeps ascending, what the heck are we drafting a, a first-round defensive tackle for? And what is he going to do? Sit, he's going to sit behind both of those guys. We're drafting a third round, a third-string defensive tackle in the first round? That seems stupid. Unless, again, we're giving up on Kenny Clark, which I don't think is going to be a thing. So if we look at the rest of the defense... Linebacker. Well, we're not going to draft a linebacker in the first round. Okay. Well, I don't think we need safety. We got Amos and we have Savage. They're playing well. They're getting better and they're locked up for a long time. Okay. What about offensive line? Well, the tackles seem to be solidified. We just paid Bakhtiari. Billy Turner seems to be doing a good job at tackle. I think we're set. Again, I don't think we're going to pay a backup. All right. How about interior offensive line? Not in the first round. Okay. Moving on. Wide receiver. I just, I don't think it's that big of a priority. When you factor in the guys that we have right now and the success that we have, I don't know that it's a priority. Okay, how about tight end? Well, we just recently drafted two tight ends. We might be paying Tunyon, and it's also too early, so I don't think so. Quarterback, nope, we just did that. Running back, nope, we just did that. There's all these reasons against stuff, which is why, in the mock that I did, the one that consistently makes sense to me is cornerback. That's the one that I can't do that for. And I people were mad at me, oh, come on, it's not a cornerback. That's the one that you... Ca- there's no excuse for it. It's a premium position that they absolutely will draft in the first round. It is an area where we didn't just recently draft anybody. It is a need. It is lacking in depth. Assuming Kevin King leaves, and I think he will. There's nobody left at the position. And I know nobody cares about it. And nobody's talking about it. The only thing anybody says is wide receiver, defensive tackle, and linebacker. I think cornerback makes the most sense. I'm not saying it's my biggest need, and the reason nobody wants it is because it's not a glaring issue in 2020, and for some reason, everybody assumes the 2021 draft, the purpose of the draft is to fix last year. That's my biggest frustration with having an NFL draft channel. Everybody's mad that I'm trying to play into the future, and everybody else wants me to fix last year's problem. That is the stupidest thing in the world. Next year's problems are not last year's problems. I'm looking at an improved Kenny Clark and an improved Kingsley Kiki. I'm looking at linebackers are not going to be picked in the first round, probably. I'm not saying that's set in stone. I think they would be willing to, but it'd have to be a great value. Um, And I don't necessarily see that happening. Unless Jeremiah Owosu-Karamoa falls, then maybe. But right now, he's jumped all the way up to 20 on our board, and I don't see us picking anywhere near that. Wide receiver, maybe. But again, they're doing okay with the guys that we have. And if we draft a first-round guy, who is he going to play ahead of? He's not ahead of Devontae, who I do think is getting another contract. I don't think he plays ahead of Lazard. I don't think he plays ahead of MVA. Maybe eventually he would take those jobs, and that's sort of what we would be shooting for because the bigger issue with wide receiver is the fact that a lot of these guys are up for contract after next year. So next year in 2021 is the last year of their contract, which means we're going to need some depth to take over that spot. I just don't know if it's first round. So I would say wide receiver is probably number two on the list. And again, it's not as big of a need as linebacker, but I'm just saying I don't think they're going to take a first-round linebacker. Maybe. Maybe they will. I'm not opposed to it. I've been begging for it basically every year since I've been watching the draft, because the Packers just don't ever have good linebackers. So as it stands right now, if we're assuming we're in the 30s, um, Dylan Moses is in that range. I think he's going to fall clean out of the first round. I don't think he's going to be... He's having a terrible year. I don't know that he was ever... I think he's always been a little bit overhyped, but this year in college football, he's been terrible. Um... Again, Jeremiah Owosu-Karamoa has leapfrogged him for the first time. He's shooting up. Dylan Moses is, is plummeting. He was like, you know, 11, 12, 13 range. He's about to fall out of the first. I don't think that's going to stop. However, another guy that is rising is Mr. Nick Bolton. Big, mean, physical linebacker. Um, again, possible that we take him, but I just I don't think so. As far as wide receiver, there's a lot of talk about the massive amount of depth at wide receiver. The biggest problem is it is deep in terms of a lot of players. It's also very top-heavy. When you start looking at mid to late first round, there's not a lot of wide receivers. You've got a bunch, like in the top 10 range. A bunch of guys that are going to be long gone by the time the Packers are picking. Jamar Chase is gone. Um, Devontae Smith is gone. Jalen Waddell is gone. Kyle Pitts, the tight end, is going to be gone. Rashad Bateman is gone. After that, it's the dead period. Then you get to Rondale Moore. He's probably going to go close to around 20. He's gone. Then it's another dead period. The next guy I have on my list is Chris Olave at 37, who is a smaller wide receiver that doesn't seem to fit what the Packers like. After that is Amon Ross St. Brown at 45. We're talking mid-second round. Actually, excuse me, there's Terrace Marsh. Terrace Marshall would make a lot of sense. He's a bigger body LSU guy. Um, I think somebody possibly to keep an eye on, it's going to be one of those picks that... The reason it makes sense is because nobody would expect it and everybody's going to be mad. Javon Holland out of Oregon. Javon Holland is sort of one of those, similar to Minka Fitzpatrick, in that he is a safety slot corner hybrid. I know we already have a safety, so it kind of doesn't make sense, but we also do play a lot of three safety. So we could have a situation where Javon Holland is on the field a lot. If he's a very good football football player, we can find a position for him in which we've got one of the three in the box. Could be Javon Holland. Or if need be, we can throw him in the slot because Chandon, as much as I respect the guy, not an ultimate elite player. So it gives us a little bit of versatility, provides a little bit more depth at a position like safety. I think our defensive coordinator, assuming he sticks around, although I think it's common in the NFL these days, they like having three safeties on the field. And um, it also allows us to essentially, if we like Kamal Martin as mostly just a run defending type guy, you keep him. And then the other linebacker essentially is a safety. Again, I don't know if that's going to be Javon Holland or Amos or Savage. Probably will rotate throughout, but um, I think that is one of those picks that could end up making a decent amount of sense that nobody's going to think about, nobody's going to care about, nobody's going to want. But uh, the guy's basically had an elite coverage grade since forever. It's only been two years, but he's, he's done it two years in a row. Uh, at corner, there's J.C. Horn, but according to my board, he'll probably be gone. A lot of offensive linemen. But again, I don't necessarily think we go that route. So, we'll, I mean, we'll have to see. I don't know. Again, Javon Holland at this point makes the most sense just from a standpoint of it feels like a Packers pick. Nobody wants it. Nobody's thinking about it. If it's not a ton of moaning and groaning from Packers fans, it wasn't a Packers pick. Begging for wide receiver, the one thing nobody wants is a safety, which I think most people consider Javon Holland a safety despite the fact that I think he mostly plays in the slot as a corner. So they'll announce it on TV, Javon Holland, safety, and everyone's just going to absolutely lose it. Just a thought. I don't know. Um, I hate to do it. I think this is going to be the final question because I want to get to more of these, but uh, there's always tomorrow. When are they going to bench Kirksey? I'll leave the swear out of it, but he calls him a bum. Um, Look, I, I, I think Kirksey's in the same category as a lot of other, you know, we constantly as fans... And I know this happened a lot more with McCarthy, but I think that was different. McCarthy and Dom Capers constantly benched better players. And maybe it was just an assignment thing. I don't know. But it really just comes down to, and I feel like a broken record, but it comes down to trust. Kirksey's a vet who knows what's being asked of him. He's not executing very well, but he knows his job. And the assumption has to be some of these younger guys just don't know. And, you know, 2020 especially, it's harder to get these guys on the field because they haven't had a lot of exposure, right? We want A.J. Dillon to be the, the greatest running back in the world. The fact of the matter is, though, there there's intricacies to running the ball, knowing not just the play, but what exactly that means. And, and you've got to be able to read the defense. If this guy goes you know, to this side of the tackle, then you do this. If he goes to this, you know, if he's here, if these guys are here, if this guy comes up, if this guy goes back, there's so many things to process. And so what you get are, are running backs that essentially close their eyes and, and run straight ahead. That's what Jamal did for basically two years. This is basically the first year, in my opinion, Jamal's looked like a really good running back. For the most part, he was just a hammer that closed his eyes and ran straight ahead. And it was very annoying. I mean, the the biggest redeeming quality, the fact that he's a great dude, uh, was a quality receiver and a great pass blocker. But as a runner, he was the most frustrating guy in the world to watch. It's like, dude. And Aaron Jones just got it, right? That's why he does such spectacular things. But these things take time, right? We've heard it a thousand times about how, you know, You got to get to the point where you're not thinking, you're just playing. And that doesn't mean don't think, just do whatever, because that's not the point. It, It has to become a habit. You're able to mentally process everything quickly, understand exactly what your job means, and just shut your brain off and fly, right? All the keys are telling me I need to beeline in that direction. That's what you do when the ball is snapped. If there's any kind of thing that happens, you know, adjustments that happen quickly, you, you know, real quick make an adjustment, but you're able to do that. And a lot of the younger guys aren't at that level. Christian Kirksey is. When when um, Mike Pettin tells him, I need you to do this, I need you to watch for this, I need you to be the field general out there on the field, he's able to do all those things. It's the execution that doesn't work very well. And I know a lot of us would say, I don't really care. I want a guy that can execute. I'd rather have, you know, a hammer out there just acting like a wrecking ball, making mistakes here and there, but also doing things right. And I get that, but I just, I don't think that's the way it's ever going to be. Matt LaFleur, Mike Pettin... Coaches do not tolerate that. I want my scheme executed properly. If you fail, that's on you. But do what I say. If I tell you to go left and you go right, I'm over—you know—massively oversimplifying things. But just to give an example, if I say go left and you go right, I'm taking you off the field because that's that's ridiculous. Right. And there's a lot of that. And you can see that even with like younger guys when you go when they go on offense. One of the few times we actually get to see it, because a lot of times people make mistakes we don't know because we don't know what they're supposed to do. But, for example, you get a lot of guys that haven't been on the field very much. How many times does Aaron Rodgers tell them what to do? I mean, he's literally out there telling them where to stand. He did that, I think, with A.J. Dillon. He did it with Dominique Daphne this past week. Hey, go over on that side. right? Your job is to stand. No, back up a little bit. Put your hand down. okay okay, great sounds good you know he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't even know what side of the line to stand on so you know so what what confidence do you have that when i snap this ball he's going to go to the right spot zero this is a practice rep and this is what i said that they're in the business of winning this is not practice time we're done with practice time so we get to see these guys sparingly situationally and it's great that they're doing a good job right it was frustrating for me when i saw aj Dillon come out do a great job and they pulled him why did you do that because he's 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 doing a good job despite the fact that he's really actually not doing that good of a job. right? He's, he was supposed to do X, Y, and Z. He did A, B, C. I'm glad he got yards out of it, but he clearly doesn't exactly know what to do out there. And I can't trust that because he's, his job is to execute things properly. I mean, he's part of the, the process of setting things up. He's got to block for the quarterback. He's got to know where to stand, what to do. And I just don't trust him. And I'm not going to lose this game because he didn't know what hole to be in and who to block and when and where. We're not playing that game. So, you know, and, and that's, I'm just trying to give examples of things that we can see that that's true at every position for different reasons. And I, I think that's the biggest thing. So it, it's really just up to Kamal Martin or any of these guys, but Kamal's the only one that's any good. The, the, the sooner and the quicker he's able to come up to speed, the more playing time he's going to get. It's not just about execution. It's about understanding. We see the execution. I have no idea if he's starting to understand things. The only way we'll know if he's really grasping things from a standpoint of understanding are the snap counts. Snap counts go up, he's getting it. Snap counts go down, he's not. So, anyways, I got to cut it there. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday. I will talk with y'all tomorrow. Bye-bye.